Hey guys, welcome to a brand new episode of the Search Without Excuses podcast. We are episode number 11. I'm coming to you kind of late at night. I've got a uh, trip I'm ready to leave here shortly, so I'm going to be leaving uh, my studio here around 1 a.m., but I had a little bit of free time, so I said, you know what, probably a very good time to record a brand new episode of the podcast. So we're going to talk about it. I've been kind of busy and haven't had nearly as much time as I would like. So um, the subject I'd like to talk about today is how important is communication? We all know communication is the key to pretty much everything from a standpoint, but how important is communication when it comes to selling and direct selling? I'll give you a little bit of an experience in the background. Um, my background was um, a technical trainer for many years. Um, you know, back in the late 80s and early 90s, that's what I did. I worked for a uh, a large uh, franchise as a technical trainer that went into homes and businesses and, and things like that and helped um, the franchisees get trained and, and work and things like that. So it was pretty cool. Um, it was a great job. Uh, it was on the road a lot, and it was a, it was a great learning experience. But one thing I never did was uh, get involved in selling at all. Never got involved in division of it. But what I did do, what I did get involved a lot in was communication because I was training somebody. If I was training um, a technician, if I was training a manager, if I was training a franchisee, um, communication was the key um, because you were communicating um, the thoughts of the franchisor to the franchisee and you had that ability to understand that. And that was really crucial. So I did understand the communication, the importance of it, and, and how to be very good at it. Um, and that's my background in education too, as well as communication. So I knew that it was important, but how relative was it to selling? Well, when I finally went out and left the corporate comfort world and left all the bells and whistles, which I, I regretted uh, uh, almost immediately at first, um, because my life was very cushy doing that, and now I was out in the field just working for straight, almost commission as a truck technician and going into homes and businesses and, and having to kind of build the ticket, which we've talked about before, and building the ticket is, is essential to um, you know your long-term growth with the business and the long-term um, growth of the business, um, obviously, with you in it. So I had to learn very quickly what selling was now. I was told uh, by the person at the time that was doing the interviews, your, your success rate increases greatly if you know how to sell. And I asked, what is selling? Because, I, I mean, I knew what sales were, but I, I'll, immediately in my mind I thought of used car salesmen giving the deal and I'll talk to my manager and all that crap that you hear as a kid growing up, all that stuff you hear um, that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's such bullshit. So I didn't want to get involved in that, you know, from that aspect. But I was able to communicate something across. So what I did is I looked at whoever my prospective customer was. I was already in there in a warm lead in the first place because they were in their hirings for a service. And my job was to offer additional services, additional benefits to the customer, additional add-ons, so to speak. Well, because I had that communication background, it was very easy for me to communicate that these benefits and needs um, of their service if they wanted to have it, for instance, if they had a carpet that needed to be uh, cleaned, they had it cleaned and it was a good rug. Um, protecting your rug with a, a protector was a great idea. If the carpet had pet problems, a deodorizer would be a great idea. If the person had allergy problems, a deodorizer of a different kind would be a great idea. So it was communication and what the variables were to communication of um, what I was doing. So I found then that communication 
was very crucial, was very important um, in selling. And that communication, effective communication, was selling. Just like to a certain degree, effective communication and marketing is, is a variable, but I think it's much less in marketing because marketing is a message versus selling, which is direct. Which one's harder? Um, I'd say probably selling. Personally, um, you can learn to be an effective marketer, in my opinion, a lot easier than going into homes and businesses, you know, five, six times a day and giving your pitch, if you want to call it, giving it your, you know, your input as to what it gets repetitive. The plus to that is you get used to doing it comfortable, giving your using your own communication skills in order to sell that to people. So what happened over time is I got to be relatively well-known within the company nationwide as a guy that could really, you know, sell additional services. Um, so when I went on my own in 2005, I had I'd made that jump. Um, let me back up a little bit. Before I had done that, as a general manager of the company, um, one of my key responsibilities is to maintain or show growth within the business. Um, never go south unless there's something in the market that, you know, I can't predetermine. But what I could do was um, was train my staff, my technicians, how to sell, how to effectively communicate to the customers, how to get the message to the customers um, that would make them or intrigue them to buy. The marketing was already done because we were in the house or in the business. Um, but if they were good at communicating, it'd be it would be it behoove me and them to um, do a great job at it. But what I had to do is get rid of stereotypes in their minds too as well. Same kind of stereotypes I probably came from, but a lot of objections before um, before um, getting it done, so to speak. They came with a lot of objections. Well, I can't do this because I can't do this. And if I look at them in the face, well, that, that's something you had to work with them on. So nervousness of selling, nervousness of the product, um, lack of knowledge of the product, lack of understanding the product, lack of actually, to a certain degree, believing the product actually worked, that Scotchgard would work, that deodorizer would work, enzymes would work. That was the biggest hurdle I ran into is they didn't understand it or they didn't believe in it. If you don't believe in it, it's kind of tough to sell it because anybody worth their salt is going to see that pretty quickly. So communication, again, was the key to go back to. It was the most important part of selling is having great open communication skills. Obviously, looking somebody in the eye is is, is crucial, um, not, in a, not in a stupid stalker kind of way, but but effective communication, looking the person in the eye and explaining to them the face-to-face, eye-to-eye, you know, the benefits of what you can do and how you can sell things. Um, so that's key. The communication was the key. I'm going to read something I put down here. Um, real quick. Um, it said the oldest profession in the world is prostitution. Yes, I'm going there. But that's not really true. It's a misnomer. Selling was the oldest profession in the world. Even though the latter is not the hardest thing to sell, um, it's still needed to be sold to someone. The most important part of selling, in my opinion, is an open line of communication with the prospect, which is also the hardest, as we just discussed, but something that is very learnable if you're willing to put in the work. Um, it, it's incredibly crucial to find a, an effective route of communication to each customer. And each customer, each client has to be sold to differently. So one of the problems I would run into um, after I moved on, started my own business, and I got more involved in making sure our staff knew how to sell something, knew how to train something, um, is that uh, 
the um, is is that they were able to not cookie cutter it, that they were able to um, bear with me here one second. They were able to um, have uh, a different option, a different variable every single time when it came to um, explain to the customers and to the clients. Uh, what was in their best benefit, and that every person was different and had a different message they wanted to hear. Every person wanted to hear something a little bit more unique uh, when it came down to it. So that was extremely crucial um, when it came to it. So they had to learn a framework of how to sell. They had to learn um, what the products did, how the products did, and they had to learn how to respond to different customers differently. They would have to understand, obviously, how to talk about it, but also the objections when it came back. Well, do I really need Scotchgard on my car? Would be a big thing? Well, it depends on the person. So I do sell a fair amount of Scotchgard right now. I don't push it nearly as much as I used to do um, because it doesn't benefit everybody as equally. It doesn't mean I took advantage of people in the past and said you need something you didn't need. Every person's different. If a carpet person wants to hold on to that carpet for another year or two, you want to Scotchgard the carpet if you can. Um, but it depends on the person. It also depends on how much foot traffic they're going to have. There's a lot of variables. Is it beneficial if you're going to hold another rug for a year to scotch guard the carpet? 110%. If you're going to hold on to it. If you're not, if you're not. If Again, depends on the foot traffic, depends on the needs of the customer, depends on if there's animals in the house. There's, there's so many variables. But you have to understand those variables in order to effectively communicate what you're trying to sell to the customer. So the best way is to understand the product that you're selling, the service that you're selling. If you have better common knowledge of what you're talking about, obviously you're going to be much better at it. For me, this is what I knew. This is what I knew inside and out. Disaster restoration is what I knew and knew inside and out. I was the chief salesperson um, for the company when I had my own, and I did you know very well with that. But it, again, it went back to open communication. You have to give them the features and benefits of what you're doing at the farther point, the benefits more than the features. Features are nice that we can dry the house using blank, 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 but they need to know that the house is dry afterwards. So it really comes down to the benefit. The feature is just is a way of getting there, is a conduit, if you want, want to call it, of getting somewhere. So I think that was um, really um, key in order to do that. Again, having the ability to sell and learning it by doing it repetitively over and over again is key, okay? So if you, the old analogy, just like riding a bike, you're back on the bike, you learn it. It's the same thing with selling. It's the same thing with just about everything when it comes to a business. Um, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Um, there is some repetitive nature um, to certain things, but the more you do something, the better off you are. Um, if you don't do something, you're not exercising it. For example... For the longest time, I wanted to be able to write good relative copy. Copy is the is words on paper or on the internet or however you're going to put it out there that people read that are interested in your service. It doesn't make me a copywriter. I am far from a copywriter. Um, I have friends that are incredible copywriters that really do an amazing job. I am far from what they can do. However, I do have a working understanding of what the customer's needs and how they relate that and how they're going to read into it, which initially is copywriting. 
But the only way I got good at writing content, fresh relative content, is to write a lot more of it. And I learned that from Dan Kennedy a long time ago. If you don't know who Dan Kennedy is, look him up. Um, the only way to get good at it really is to keep doing it over and over. And I think most copywriters say the same thing. You're going to suck a lot at first, and then you get better, and you suck less, and <laughs> you get better and better, and you learn to master um, whatever you're trying to uh, relay, the message you're trying to relay to your prospects. So it is a repetitive thing when it comes to copywriting or writing words on paper. Well, writing words on paper are nothing more than writing words right now. When I plan these podcasts, I have a framework in front of me. And if you can see, if you're watching the video, you can see I have a whole bunch of stuff on here and different things I want to accomplish within the podcast, okay? So that's a framework. And I am key on pre-framing. Um, it's a big part of my life. I pre-frame just about everything when it comes to my day-to-day uh, thought process and what I really think about. However, I have literally spent, I've literally used about two sentences in this, in this entire podcast, and we're sitting here at 13 minutes. So this gives me a framework of something to do, but I'm going to relate to how I'm explaining this to you in words differently than what I'm going to write on paper because, as I just explained, I only used a couple sentences of this. I didn't go that far into it, and I rarely ever do, but just in case I need to go back to a piece of reference material, this is crucial. This is, this is very important, um, and I may because I, as you know, go off on a tangent every once in a while, and it's very, very important for me to make sure that I'm getting that message across. I don't deviate from it too far on a rant or on a tangent or whatever that happens to be. So my ability to speak and talk and communicate verbally is much stronger and has always been much stronger because I've done it for 25 years. Plus, at this point in time, I've been able to speak and effectively communicate by words, less on paper. But it's not much of a difference. It's just repetitively doing it. I write blog posts. I like posts. In fact, for the first year and a half of the business, every day, six days a week, there was a new post, new fresh content, new pictures, new everything. In fact, I probably don't ever have to use, write a new blog post. I could recirculate at this point and still continue to do it if I needed to. There's just so much content out there. But I had to do it every day, six days a week, write fresh relative information that wasn't a sentence or two. It was a paragraph essentially on every single post. Well, that's how I was selling it. And I wrote it as if the prospect was reading it, not me from a technical point saying, This is all the features, quote-unquote, of what we do. But they looked at the tangible, relative, relatable, I should say, benefits to what I was trying to sell them, what I was talking about, the wares that I'm putting out there into the market to get people to um, buy our our services. So it's just another form of selling. Um, Some would call that written word marketing, and it is to a certain degree but it's also a big part of selling because it's pre-framing the selling ability to do that. We all relate sales and sales ability to simply what a person hears or sees when they see you in person, and that's not necessarily true. The pre-framing of the sales work is just as important because it makes the sales work um, even more relative. And here's an example, the biggest example I get. My big mantra, reviews and reputation, and that's what I try to stake because I believe we're in the reputation economy. We're in the reputation society today. So we're in a review-based society today. People read words, and they read it 
um, people's feedback or customers' feedback when they buy a product or something um, as gold, as information that they can use to make their decision whether they're going to hire or not. Again, having a lot of good reviews is beneficial, but having a lot of good reviews with great content and the way they write it from their heart, from their mind, from what they think um, is even better. So it's good to have, hey, they did good job. <laughs> That's We're never going to throw that out. We're always going to keep those. But if some, somebody says, I had Rob and his crew into my house, and let me tell you, they did an incredible job. They were incredibly polite. They were clean. They were organized. They were detail-oriented. I could have asked for more. Oh, yeah, and they showed up on time, which is something we don't get very often. Those are great words to live by. And if a customer, a potential customer, reads that, they're going to buy based on what they read. Another example, Jay Abraham. I always love mentioning names of people who have influenced me. Jay Abraham is the smartest marketing mind probably that's ever walked the earth, in my opinion. You know, some people have different opinions on that, but I, I feel, and a lot of people do, that Jay Abraham's the smartest marketing mind. And years ago, I, I this is how I found out about Jay. I was scrolling through um, early YouTube, I mean, really early videos. I don't even know if this was. This must have been something, maybe even a video that I saw. And it was Jay talking about and, t- and showing how if you want to learn basic copy skills, good copy skills, go to Amazon.com and read the reviews, read the feedback from the customers that bought the product, that bought the widget, whatever that was, and see how they do that and learn from that. And I'll be damned if that did not influence me greatly. I immediately went on to Amazon. Amazon is early on in this case, and not, not what they are right now, and I started reading these reviews. I started reading these reviews over and over again just to see what people wrote, and that really influenced my copy because now I'm reading what the customers are relaying, how they're relaying their experience when they bought the product, when they bought the widget. It's huge. It's crucial. I mean, you, you can't... It, it, it was it was defining to me that simple little video, and it was like a nine-minute video. It was, it wasn't anything crazy, but the information he gave me made me, it gave me the ability in my mind to learn how the customers looked at something, not how I would write it. Because when I would write it, it would, it, it would be lousy because I wasn't good at writing things down. I was good at explaining things, but it never related to the fact that, yes, I can communicate to a person um, effectively by speaking to them, by talking into the microphone, by doing what I'm doing right now. I can do that no problem. However, what I wasn't good at doing is putting that on other forms of media and, and you know, into now videos, now other things. Um, I do a live stream of the video. This goes on YouTube, and you can download this on my YouTube channel, Rob M. Lyon, um, on the YouTube channel, and it's a live stream. It's not a fancy marketing video. It's not effects. I'll wave right now. It's 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 simple. It's it's just I do a live stream from my office when I do the recording, um, only because it's another media for me to do it. I don't do it for anything more than that. I don't do it because I do feel the content you're going to get on this is good enough and is relative enough that I put it on the podcast, but I also put it on here because there are people that don't really get into subscribing for podcasts, but I'll be damned. There's very few people that don't go to YouTube. So I want that content that I try to put my time, my heart, my soul into and to get out there and doing it for, through a live stream as I'm doing right now, as I'm talking to the camera while I'm speaking to you, recording this podcast is extremely important to me to get that message across. That message is selling what I'm, what I'm doing. And essentially I'm not selling anything. I am just um, putting um, 
information in your brain to think about. Yes, I'd ultimately like to possibly work with you and help you with your needs and your business and, and coaching, maybe some consulting work, whatever. Great. If you're the right fit and you're right, you know, we fit for each other, that's awesome. If we don't, that's awesome too as well. But this gives you real tangible ideas in order to get to the level of where somebody like myself or my colleagues and friends that can help you with that. So ultimately, there is an end goal to it. But if we never do anything, I still want you to better where you are. I still want you to better um, how you're going to get there. I want to create a path. I want to plow the snow out of the way if you're in the tundra areas. I want to blow that snow out so you can drive down that driveway or that road much easier by, by having that snow plowed out of the way for you. Again, I want you to be able to take what you learn in these podcasts and communicate it to your prospects. So going back to what I was saying before, selling is something repetitive. It's something you do over and over again. You get better at it. You learn about it. Um, you know, when I was a technical trainer, you couldn't get me in front of a camera. Now, again, I was communicating by training technicians, and that is a form of selling, by the way. That's a big form of selling because I have to sell them on doing it right, okay? So if they believe that I'm an idiot and I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to um, getting these things put out there, getting these... Um, um, processes and systems that I want them to do repetitively in a house or in a business every time. They don't believe it and they're not going to buy into it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to sell it. They're just certainly not going to um, follow the lead, so to speak. Um, they're going to do what they want to do. So I was effectively selling them on doing the process correctly. And if I wasn't able to do it, then I would lose. One of the big things I do when I do consulting work over coaching, whereas coaching is usually one-to-one, Okay, but consulting work, I'll go into a client's facility, deal with their technicians and whatever. I have to be able to sell the idea of service without excuses, of course, but also the vision that the owner has to the employees, to the technicians, to the office staff, to whatever that happens to be. They don't want to hear it from him or her. They already work for him or her. They don't want to hear anything come out of their mouth. They really don't because they deal with them day in and day out. When somebody else comes in that has some relative common knowledge and has actually been there and done what they've what they're talking about, has worked all those positions, that has worked an office management position, has worked a marketer, has worked a sales rep position, has worked as a trainer position, um, has worked as a general manager or regional manager, they relate to that a lot more because they relate to you and them being one. Um, that you understand what they're doing, and and that comes across genuine because. I'm, yes, I'm selling it to them, but I believe it because I've done it. That's a lot easier to get a message across to technicians and employee when I'm going in and doing consulting work because the communication skills are effective because the selling skills in order to get them to buy in to what we're trying to do is so important. All right, guys, so what I really want you to do is take this, think about it, understand it, and take it for food for thought of how important communication is in selling, how important selling and communication are intertwined with one another, and take an impact in your business. We'll get into these things a little bit further down the road, but I want you to take this for gold, okay? Thanks so much, and I appreciate you joining us on a brand new episode of the Service Without Excuses podcast. Take care. <music>